0: Have you ever wondered what people are saying about you or your brand? What they're saying about your competition? Who are the influencers in your industry? Did you know that there is one type of tool that allows you to understand all of this? That type of tool is called a social listening tool. And there's no social listening tool that I recommend more than Brand24. A lot of these tools are extremely expensive. Most small businesses and entrepreneurs can't use them. Brand24 actually starts at a very reasonable price for very, very advanced technology that will help you better track hashtags, access customer insights, get powerful, reliable metrics, and most importantly, never miss a critical mention because there's a lot more mentions than people tagging you in social media. So if any of this sounds interesting to you, go to neilshafer.com slash brand Twenty-four. That's B-R-A-N-D 24. And sign up today. Let me know how it goes. I'd love to help you out on your social listening journey.
1: Welcome to Maximize Your Social. Actionable 10-minute advice on how your business can maximize your social media presence. Now, the host of Maximize Your Social. Social media author, speaker, consultant, founder of Maximize Social Business, and the soon-to-launch social media center of excellence, Neil
0: Schaefer. Hey everybody, this is Neil Schaefer. Welcome to another fabulous episode of Maximize Your Social. I am coming to you from my home office today. We're actually already in November. Time flies, doesn't it? But time flies only if you think it flies, is what I always like to say. So really, hopefully, you've achieved a lot. And when you look back at what's happened in social media, and hopefully social media for your business over the last year you'll see that you've done incredible things and hopefully have gotten to that next level that you wanted to get to. But what happens when you get to that next level? That's going to be the topic of today's podcast as I share with you a few, well, I suppose the personal things that have happened to me over the last week. But as in social media, the personal is also public as well. So perhaps some of you have already been in conversation with me on the various social networks about what happened. But let's think of it this way. I am both a content creator, I published my first blog post in July of 2008, as well as someone, you know, I don't like to say I'm an influencer or that word has a lot of meaning to it that I think a lot of people take for granted, but when you get a lot of followers and your posts are shared a lot in social media, you are sort of considered a a quote-unquote influencer. And this is really what businesses want to become or should want to become right you want to create content that is going to engage with users that's going to help your company be found and that's going to help yield thought leadership or and that's you know from a b2b perspective for consumer brands you want to engage with your fans generate brand awareness you know create an army of of loyal fans who will just do anything for you and that's you know the common theme for the consumer brand or the business brand is at the end of the day, you want to be known out there, right? You want that share of voice out there on social media. So what happens though when you get that? So let's start with the content creator perspective. You create all this great content. Hopefully you're blogging and this is primarily blogging. And then it's like, wow, when you do a search for your own blog post title, there are tons of other sites that show up that have literally literally copied and pasted your content onto their blog and this can be quite a shock for many when it happens the first time why would anyone want to do that well the internet works on advertising revenue and if people can uh, somehow get above you in the search results or get people to go to their website uh, because of your content it's going to help them not only potentially generate advertising revenue but there are people who set up micro sites to try to opt people into programs or downloads or whatever thing they want to sell And your content is serving them. In other words, your content is serving their inbound marketing strategy rather than your own. So this is something that's happened ever since day one. Uh, It will continue to happen because there are those that have nothing to say that just want to leverage the content of others. There, There are many that simply just don't know that content is protected by, you know, inherently by copyright laws that exist internationally. So... First of all, how to find out if this is happening? Well, that's, you know, pretty easy to do. Like I said, if you just do searches, you can easily find this. If there's a, a paragraph of copy that you are particularly proud of, there is a tool called CopyScape. And yes, I do want to introduce some tools to you that can help you in your journey. But there's a tool called CopyScape where if you get the premium version, it's like five bucks for 500 searches. It's really cheap, but you can literally, you know, put in your entire blog post and see where else the internet exists. And it's really good if you're working with a content marketing agency, or if you have guest bloggers and you put that in, you're going to be able to see how much, if any, they have plagiarized other content uh, across the web. So that's a really, really great tool. There's another great tool. I mean, there's a bunch of great tools regarding this. How do these people steal your content? A lot of times it is through RSS feeds. They literally get your RSS feed and they completely automatically publish your content on their blog. So if you use Yoast SEO, the most popular WordPress plugin for SEO, there is a way to append your RSS feed with information like... You know, this was published on Maximize Social Business, or what have you. There's also a service called Tint, and I believe it's T-Y-N-T, it may be T-I-N-T, I'm sorry, I haven't used them in a while. But they will automatically generate, when someone tries to copy and paste from your site, they will automatically generate JavaScript, which will automatically include the link from whatever they try to copy and paste from your site onto whatever you try to copy and paste it onto. And maybe you've seen this if you've tried to just, you know, copy and paste a link from a site and it ends up having all this uh, appendage at the end, the suffix of data. That's because they're probably using that or a similar tool. So those are sort of the tools, the trade that you have to find and prevent. Now, I take it one step further because many of these people that are using the content also have a social media presence. Social media is the public. And if I have no way of contacting these people, I will bring it to social media and say, Hey, why are you copying my content now? Is that a a mean thing to do? Well, if they have a public channel open for communication, I can leverage that channel as well. And I want them to know very clearly that as a content creator, I value my content. I spent a lot of time creating it. And just by copying it, it's not something I'm very happy about. And I, I will take it to social and tell everybody, Hey, why did you copy my content? Now some people I feel sorry for because some people, literally don't know or pretend that they don't know. Well, consider it an education. But I think it's something that more of us need to do if we find out about it. I would not be shy because them copying your content is a very, very brash move in this new digital world that we live in. And perhaps we need to educate more people. Now, I used to you know, do a lot more searches on blog post types. I really don't that much more. And in all honesty, whenever I do search for my own blog post every once in a while, I don't see as much of this. Or maybe Google has become really, really good at at hiding it, which I think they have, of hiding duplicate content because they want to showcase the content creator as well. And even though Google authorship has been, or the name, or the you know the project of Google authorship has been put into the back burner, I still believe that they are trying to. Uh, they probably have a better way now of figuring out who the content creator is by looking at your byline on your blog, what have you. So that's sort of the first issue. Now, it's interesting because the content that you create is not just blog posts. You probably have videos, you probably have audios, and I suppose the same thing could happen on YouTube for your videos if, if you're not careful. I really don't have that many videos, and any video that I have would probably be of me speaking. So if someone wants to promote that as their own and they see me, that's... Okay, right? Audio, I haven't seen someone copy my podcast yet. Once again, it's, it's a very personal thing because it's my voice, so I don't know how they'd be able to pull it off, but hey, you never know. But I had a real shocker when I went over to SlideShare yesterday. And as part of my own sort of social media marketing and content marketing initiative, I have this top 25 for social media business quotes, a blog post, which hopefully you've read and I refer to a lot because it really represents a lot of these core concepts that I like to share to help people better understand social for business. But so I created a presentation of these 25 images that are pinned and being shared, you know, visually, which are leading more people back to the blog post and created a PowerPoint around it and put it up to SlideShare yesterday. Now, I'd used SlideShare in the past. I am one who does not, and this, <laughs> it's funny how this, whenever I start on a podcast with a, a a narrow objective, it always gets broader and broader and broader as I speak, but there's just so much, you know, that I want to share with you, obviously, through each and every podcast. You know the, the whole notion of the the uh, the PowerPoint that I created was really to promote the blog post and my ideas. Now, whenever I present on social media, I always get someone saying, and "Will this SlideShare be available for later viewing?" And I always say, "Sorry, no. Uh, I do not upload my content to SlideShare. If I represented right, if, if I'm a business, then I want them to." you know, I would upload every single presentation because you're, you're trying to sell products and services. Um, my products and services is my IP, and literally uploading the SlideShare is, in essence, giving away IP. Now, there are some who do it anyway, and I have respect for them. It's something that you're gonna have to decide. If your IP, you know, is, is your business, then you're probably going to need to think twice about it, as I have. But I did, in the past, upload uh, two presentations, which were subsets of presentations that I normally do to give people a taste of what my presentations look like. One was on, well, they were both on LinkedIn. One was in English, and one was in Japanese. So if you follow me on SlideShare, maybe you found those. And I'm at SlideShare.net slash Neil Schaefer, N-E-A-L-S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R, like I am on, on every other social platform. So... You know, those did well, and I even had some uh, companies contact me from them. And then I created this infographic for the socialmedia.seo community that I uploaded to SlideShare as well. And I uploaded, why would I upload an infographic to SlideShare? Well, when I'm writing a LinkedIn blog post, the only way to embed an infographic or to add an image, well... I could have added an image, but I wanted to embed the infographic. Let's put it that way. And right now, the only uh, embeds that LinkedIn blogging accepts are YouTube videos and slideshare presentations, or at least at the time of my publishing. So that's sort of the route I decided to go. I got that up there. That got me additional you know, views in that slideshare community. And then I uploaded this presentation yesterday. And when you upload a presentation or when you view the presentation, immediately you get these related presentations in the side. And as I went through them, I'm like, huh. I see my ebooks are up here. Now these are ebooks, and if you're creating a lot of content for various purposes, sometimes you might create ebooks for the purpose of opting people into your newsletter, of getting them to the top of the marketing funnel, you know, creating creating a relationship with social media, but taking it down the funnel one step by acquiring an email address. It's something that most companies do. But those that content that you might have spent a lot of money on is now being uploaded by others who have no, did not create the content. It's it's just being uploaded by them for their own personal gain, right? For their own SlideShare channel to get views or or for their own personal branding. And I found this yesterday for two of my eBooks. And they were both being uploaded by the same person who I you know, commented on their slide share, but I also sent them a, a not so happy tweet because I was really offended by the fact that they did that. Now, a lot of the times when I contact people about copying a blog post or in this case a slide share, they got back to me within 24 hours because they're also active in social and they wanted to take care of the issue at hand. It's a shame that I have to do that, that I have to send out sort of a negative conversation and I literally do it in public because I want others to know that This is something that's happened, and this is something you should not do. So that's sort of my personal philosophy on it. But if you create content as a company, that content at some point is going to be copied. So you don't have to do it every day. And I already introduced you some tools, but every once in a while, you may want to go into specifically of ebooks uh, or presentation slideshare, Uh, as well as going into Google and doing blog post searches. The other sort of tip I wanted to recommend, and it's not as easy to do on SlideShare, although you can embed links into presentations, but I always, always, always embed an internal link into every single blog post we publish at Maximize Social Business. Internal link we know is good for SEO to let Google know what uh, content is relevant for certain anchor keywords that are in the text for whatever link that we share. But more importantly, if it gets copied onto another internet site, if they haven't stripped the links, which I'm sure there are some savvy technology or or software applications that will do that for you, it means that I've created a backlink. So if someone clicks on that, they're gonna be able to find me as the original creator of the content, even though my name and links may have been stripped from the author byline of the blog post. So that's another thing I highly recommend you do with every blog post you publish as a business. Now I said all this. There may be some of you who say, "You know what? We don't really care. We want our content to be shared everywhere. Um, you know, we don't care if it goes to a competitor because our company name is in the blog post, our company name is on the ebook, our ebook is branded." And you know, I think there is a strategy of creating extremely shareable content where, you know, the more it gets shared, the more it gets copied, the the greater benefit it is for you. And if you want to take that approach, you know, you just want to make sure that your branding, your product names your service names, your company names are included, you know, throughout, not just the visual branding if it's a PowerPoint, but in a blog post is mentioned throughout every single blog post. And then maybe you don't have to worry about it, but I suppose the more IP that your content has, the more you invest in, in blogs and in slide shares and in your content, I would tend to believe the more sensitive you're going to become to that issue. So this is 2014, your content will get copied. Think about that in advance. Think about how you want to handle it and what your strategy is going to be. That's really, you know, what I wanted to talk about in in this podcast. But it goes beyond the content in terms of what happened to me over the past week. And that's just a a part of what happened. Other things happened. And it's funny. I think as I get closer to 100,000 followers on Twitter, maybe I'm attracting more people. (laughs) You get more eyeballs and you get people with different opinions, Right. I was sort of uh, attacked twice this week on Twitter in the same day, which was really weird. And, you know, I mentioned these top 25 social media for business quotes, and there was someone who said, you know, your quote is wrong. And, and you know, you go to their profile, they have about 100 followers. They're, you know, they look like they're former executives. I didn't go as far as going to their LinkedIn profiles, but, you know, they have a business, what have you. But to attack someone like that, I thought was really weird. And maybe some of you wouldn't think it's an attack, but... You know, I see things all over social media that I might disagree with, but to take the extra step to actually publicly confront the content creator and say that, I think takes a lot of, well, guts, nerve, <laughs> insert your noun. But I responded saying, hey, you know, each of us, is, each of us can have our own opinion, right? And, and I actually wished him a good day. To which he responded, you know, not only you're wrong in a tweet, but then he added another tweet saying you're dead wrong. And when people start using language like that, you know it it really starts to get me worried about who is out there in social, and don 't get me wrong ninety nine percent of my interactions with people in social media in general are extremely positive, but these people exist in fact, I never mentioned this publicly, but a few months ago, I actually was in a uh, a Twitter conversation, and someone leapfrogged it and said, "You know all you people are ripping off small businesses and Uh, It's actually someone from the East Coast who says, if you're ever near where I live, you better watch out. And I literally reported it to Twitter. Now, I don't know if Twitter brings it up with the law enforcement authorities. But, you know, once again, these people do exist. And, you know, another guy actually said, hey, Neil, you tweet way too many links. You should be sharing more native content. And this guy was like... Well, let's just say that, once again, about 100 followers, but he had a link of, you know, a site that was related to content marketing. And I went to one of the Twitter tools I use and did a little analysis and found that I share links maybe out of 48% of my tweets. He shares them 71% of the time. So I'm like, dude, you share links way more than I do. What's up with that? Why would you confront me? And he goes, oh, I'm just experimenting. So you get random people out there and... You sort of have to have tough skin when you're out there knowing that there's going to be people who disagree with you. I know like someone in the mortgage industry and he has a competitor that set up a fake Twitter account that just constantly says, so-and-so is a liar. So-and-so is trying to rip you off. Now, is anybody listening to that person? Probably not. So the biggest damage that you actually get when people like this confront your business or you as a content creator It's more about just an emotional or a a mental damage. Now, if you're a brand and you have people complaining about your product that are actual users and you go to their Twitter stream and, and you've tweeted with them back and forth before and they've never complained about other products, you know, these are things that you need to take obviously a little bit more seriously and you need to confront them and you need to be in touch with them proactively. I'm talking more about, well, for those of you that are creating content out there of, Having to deal with people that aren't complaining about your product and service, but about your content, if that makes sense. But wait, there's more, right? I got this other email from someone. Will you follow me on Twitter? So, hey, if you're not a member of the Tzu Social Network yet, will you sign up with my link? And this is another one that's just, you know, came from left field. When you follow someone on social media, everybody has a different definition of what that means. Well, this person and, you know, some, when you connect on LinkedIn, they opt you into an email list because they assume that you opted in, right? When you didn't. And this person just assumed, because I was following him on Twitter, that I would go out of my way to sign up on a social network. And if you haven't heard of Tsu, T-S-U, it is a social network that actually shares advertising revenue with its users. So obviously this person is looking to monetize my following him on Twitter by having me sign up to Tsu on his link, because then I become, in Tsu terms, a child, and all the advertising revenue that I generate is shared with him. This is why, if you've seen people try to invite others to Tsu, uh, you know, I have no problem saying, hey, you know, if you're not on Sue and want to check it out, you know, feel free to sign up through my link. I have no problems doing that. I think I did that myself because the only way to join Sue is to sign up through someone's link, right? But to proactively go out of your way to sign someone up. And then the amazing thing is this is someone that did not mention this on Twitter but actually went to my website and used my contact form to send this to me without actually going to Sue and and doing a search for me where he would have found that I'm already a member. And when I brought this up on Sue, without mentioning his name, I, I'm not into mentioning anyone's names because I'm not in this for a personal attack on people. I'm in this to, to educate and to share these experiences that I've had. So hopefully you can avoid them. Or if you have them, you have a better, you're better prepared to deal with them. But this person, when I posted this on Sue and said, hey, you know, stop doing this, you're going to ruin the site for everybody. Because then more and more people see it as just some LMM scheme, which you probably might have already seen some people blog about concerning Sue or post on social media about this person, you know, basically attacked me in the comments of my own post on Sue, even though I didn't mention his name, he went out there and tracked me down, right? And this is what's going to happen. Once you establish thought leadership, or you have a large social media following, you attract the good and the bad. And it really gets down to, you know, conversations I have with executives, which are, well, you know, if we stay away from the social media altogether, we can avoid everything. And you know, there's advantages and disadvantages. When I talk to executives about social selling programs, they go, well, you know, we've just optimized the profiles for all of our salespeople, so now it's easier for all of our competitors to recruit them. Same thing goes for an employee advocacy program. It's like, look, you know, social replaces nothing, complements everything. There are advantages and disadvantages to doing anything in social. But with a quarter of our online time being spent in social, with half of, you know, LinkedIn is uh, one third of professionals worldwide remember LinkedIn, you know, it is where the public is. So it behooves me to think at this day and age that you can simply ignore it and not have a presence. When you have a presence, you want to make sure that you get a lot more advantages out of it than the potential disadvantages. And there's a lot of ways you can do that. I think for 99% of the businesses out there, they realize it. For those that are still a little bit conservative or a little bit timid, may not have. But... There will be just like with any other people, if you're in a you know, if you're having a conversation out there in public, um, there are those who will be quiet, there are those who will want to engage with you, there are those who will agree with you, there are those who will disagree with you. And it's really about dealing with the disagreers. You know, this is why you have social media for customer service, to, to deal with these people. You know, I I think because, especially on Twitter, it's a public conversation. But then again, you can do a research, a you know, a search the history of someone's tweets. You can find out pretty soon, is this person just a complainer and trying to get money out of you? Or are they a legit customer fan that's really trying to give you some feedback and some good advice? And that's really where it comes down to a lot of common sense and doing some research. The beauty about social media is we can, you know, we can research this person, this business across multiple platforms. And if you think they're a newbie, and they have no say and they're attacking you, you know how to deal with it. At the end of the day, unfortunately, I like to consider social media an open public conversation, but at the end of the day, we come down to having to block people, uh, block people who are attacking us, sending negative thoughts our way, what have you. And it's okay to block people. I don't like to do it that much. I like to keep the conversations open, but at some point, you can only leave it open so much with someone that is just going to waste your time. So I, I bring these points up this week. Because I want you to understand, I want you to sort of see the world from where I see it. And as your business gets more active and social, as a content creator, as an influencer, you will have to face the same issues. So be prepared. Take them with a grain of salt unless they are a true customer offering true feedback uh, and, and truly need to be dealt with. But for the others, you know, be prepared. A little bit of common sense goes a long way. And you definitely want to protect your brand reputation and your brand equity. So you might not want to be as public as I am when I sort of reach out to these people. But, you know, understand that there's a lot of people that need to be educated. There are negative people out there for whatever reason. And I think we, as those who look to reap benefits from social media, almost have a responsibility to keep social media a positive, educational, resourceful and social place. I plan to continue on my mission, and part of that mission is obviously through these podcasts. I know when I posted about these two Twitter people on my Facebook page, or my, my personal Facebook profile, I should say, that there were many, many, many friends who came out who talked about similar experiences, but also said, don't let them get you down, block them, forget about them. And that's sort of the best the best advice I can offer you as well, as you get deeper and deeper into this amazing, amazingly complex but yet amazingly positive world of social media so that's it for today a little bit different angle that i normally talk about but these are sort of security privacy these are still issues that are very very important especially when you operate in such a public space so looking forward to some more great content next week until then wherever you are in the world make it a positively social day bye bye everybody
1: Thanks for listening to Maximize Your Social. We appreciate your iTunes subscriptions, ratings, and comments. If you would like to appear on this show or recommend content, please contact Neil Schaefer at neil at maximizeyoursocial.com. Please also make sure to check out Neil's new community, the Social Media Center of Excellence at socialmediacoe.com. Thanks again, and make it a social day.